Welcome back to another episode of Scripts on Scripture. This is part two with my good friend, Irene Rollins. If you missed last episode, I would encourage you to go back because it kind of introduces all that we're going to be talking about today. One of them being your book, Reframe Your Shame. Um, We talked about this a lot in the first episode, but honestly, if you have not read Reframe Your Shame, I would strongly encourage you. You said you can get it Amazon, anywhere they sell books. (laughs) Anywhere where books are sold or you can, IreneRollins.com, my website. Awesome. Awesome. But this this topic of shame is what we're focusing on today. And um, last episode... We started to go in a little on on holiness and and what exactly the Bible is referring to um, when when God calls us to be holy because we know that we can't be perfect. So what what does that mean? And I, I kind of wanted to go in because um, I, I mentioned in the first episode people reaching out with their own church hurt or experiences of mm-hmm. shame in church, and I I know I grew up in church so. I uh, I definitely have sh- stories of of my own um, shame uh-huh. and experiencing shame in yeah. church in in real life and um, honestly I, I I do want to make it clear that we're not talking about a single particular church uh-huh. um, I'm not calling anybody out um, this is this is for Christians this is yeah. for Christians because we've all experienced it I'm sure 100%. Um, my stories as a young child are more just being shushed in church because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or me as a young adult walking into church with a skirt so short that someone had to throw a blanket over no, my lap. No, But I was new in church. They didn't explain it. No. So I immediately felt shame. You felt shame. Mm-hmm. I, I remember just wearing a, a shirt that didn't have sleeves mm. and, um, and, and being informed that I was being a poor gatekeeper. Oh. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> Like, and what does that mean? I, well, <laughs> anyway. exactly, right? <laughs> like, speaking So, um, <laughs> yeah, if you grew up during um, mm-hmm. True Love Waits era, you you, you know that that term um, all too, together too yeah. well, probably. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, but, but being made to feel as though I was the problem, that I, mm-hmm. I, I should feel shame. Mm-hmm. That leads to a lot of confused ideology on, on holiness. I think that we either want to hide our weakness or there's like a little inner Pharisee in all of us. <laughs> I love the way you put that. <laughs> that wants to go calling out other people because then it's like they won't see my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And and it kind of does make you feel better if you're like sitting next to somebody and you kind of, you know, oh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I got it a little more together than so-and-so, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like we were talking about with, with catching typos. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh! I feel better about myself. I, yep. you know, I don't have nearly as many typos. Exactly. But, but come on. like We all have typos and human. mistakes. We're human. It's, it's like, you know, my, a friend of a good friend of mine named Peter Haas, uh, he pastors a church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He wrote a book called Pharisectomy. Oh, oh. It's so good. Okay. And like all of us have an inner Pharisee. Yes, yes. And we need to get rid of that thing. And I think that's that judgmental, yes. shaming little... Yes. Um, little devil that sits on the, our shoulder. Absolutely. That we got to kind of like, <laughs> like the cartoons do. Goodbye. You yes. know, like it's get so out of true. here. It's so true because I think that um, once again, you know, we talked a lot um, last episode about the importance of community. And mm-hmm. I think that um, we exclude 
potential community members yeah. because it's like, no, you, you know, you don't either, you don't measure up or I feel inferior to you. And 100%. so I'm going to exclude you. And me being in recovery, um, like I said, seven years, yep. four months sober from alcohol addiction to date. Um, I never felt initially, I didn't share my story publicly because of the fact that I was a pastor and a leader and yes. I thought people would judge me, throw stones, um, <laughs> and right. treat me differently because I had become addicted to this yeah. substance. What was interesting about my journey of recovery was the more I shared it with people behind the scenes, um, the more I grew and went to meetings, yeah. did, did my recovery work. It's like God began to reframe the shame yeah. and I got free from it every time I spoke about it. So now I can so freely talk about it, yeah. even though I'm a pastor, mom, leader, um, yeah. you know, wife, y yes, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. And it does not sting me the way it did in the beginning. Yeah. In the yeah. beginning, that's almost why I became an alcoholic because I was hiding. Because you're hiding and isolating. Yeah. So that's like the first yeah. sign that there might be a problem. Well, and that's something you talked about in your book that I was <laughs> like, that kind of blew my mind because any vice yeah. becomes that way. Where it's like, if I don't want to admit that I do this, is it something that's a destructive mm -hmm. behavior? Is yep. it something that I'm coping in an unhealthy way yeah. by by doing or or you know even just like you know I heard a, a pastor recently talking about like binge watching and and getting kind of addicted to to that as a form yeah. of coping as a form of just tuning out at the end the of your day world, yeah. you know you kind of just you, you just want to veg I just want to you know um, and and that being that can become like an addiction of mm -hmm. vice and and so the is it in moderation because exactly. if we begin to hide something we're feeling shame yes again the good part of shame is for us to modify yes. our behavior yes but w w if we're not careful if we are not mm -hmm. aware shame mm -hmm. can cause us to feel go inward and feel we exactly. are bad and isolate exactly and then it grows yes and that's like whatever the issue is it'll grow in secret yep we get free when we expose it to light it's so it's so interesting because mm -hmm. you can see it even in a young child. Like I, my my daughter, um, passion. She's seven mm -hmm. now, but when she was a toddler, she discovered where I kept the candy, mm -hmm. and she has a massive sweet tooth, and she could climb anything. So even though mm -hmm. I had it on a tall shelf, I did not realize that she was climbing the shelves in the um, in the pantry. Mm -hmm. And until I found a stash of candy wrappers in her room under her dresser. Oh my and, gosh. um, so this, you know, we had to, we had to you know, put a, put a stop to, to the, um, midnight candy runs. Right. And, um, but it's so funny to me because it was honestly quite a struggle for a while of her hiding it, but I could see in her eyes mm -hmm. when she would start to like isolate almost, and she wouldn't want to tell me something. And there was a lack of eye contact and there was yes. a kind of like a, a hiding away. Mm -hmm. And it was then whenever I would notice that. I'd go looking under her pillow, sometimes under her mattress. I mean, she was good. Um, Let me tell you, <laughs> I know about this very well. I did that with alcohol. If it, so, <laughs> so but she, you know, and she's, and, but it's so funny I laugh because at it now, but yeah, yeah, but she would. She'll tell me now. She'll go. When I was four, you know, I stole candy, and that was not good. And she, so now she'll ask me, um, and and she'll even 
she, she reiterates it quite a bit, honestly. And mm-hmm. I think that to some extent, because it was honestly up until recently that she would, I would still mm-hmm. notice this, this pattern of behavior and, and we'd have to deal with it again. But she will tell me now she, when she wants candy, she'll tell me, and then she'll kind of revisit this memory of her stashing away yeah. candy. And I, I know it's a silly example, but I feel like this this tendency in us, I mean, it's it's innate. It's mm-hmm. it's in it's something that we were born into. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing something wrong because of your conscience, mm-hmm. but because of this feeling that we have to measure up, shame just immediately descends. Mm-hmm. And it's really honestly a tactic the enemy uses because it drives us into isolation. One hundred percent. And isolation is where you can get taken out. Mm-hmm. by an addiction. That's right. And that's, you know, that's that's the danger. That's the danger of yeah. shame. If it's mishandled, shame is no longer about conviction. It's no longer about conscience. Right. It's just shame. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's us deriving our theology from society rather than scripture. And that's where we get into tricky territory on any subject. That's right. In Matthew chapter five, there's an interesting conversation and, and Jesus actually says to be holy. Mm-hmm. And that scripture, I think, gets taken out of context um, and, and really misappropriated because, mm-hmm. like we talked about last episode, God knows that he's an unattainable level of perfection. And the, the word that he's using is, is teleios. It's translated to holy or, or perfect, but holiness by definition, and this is something that I think that we so often miss. I know I missed completely. Mm-hmm. Holiness isn't an attribute of God. Holiness isn't something that he strives for. God is perfect. It's an aspect of his being. It's That's a right. foundational aspect of his being. Without being holy, he's not God. Right. And likewise, us being human and not being God means that we're not holy. Mm-hmm. So God isn't asking us to be God. God isn't asking right. us. <laughs> he doesn't need our help that way. No. You know, <laughs> he is holy. It differentiates him from us. And he knows that. Mm-hmm. So he's not asking us to do something impossible. And in fact, the word he uses in verse 48 to Laios is the future tense of that word, mm-hmm. which indicates striving towards something. Yes. And that is the difference. It's a moral obligation to pursue holiness and to be like God in every way that we can. Mm-hmm. But it's not God saying right now in your current state, you have to be holy. You have to be perfect. Right. It's, this is, this is the goal. It's a journey. Yes. Yeah. I like to kind of, um, equate it to my mountain experience when I was climbing, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. Yes. You know, it's like, I learned so much from that experience. I was not into hiking, let me tell you, but like my husband challenged me to this, um, raising money for awareness. I was going to say, why were you climbing (laughs) Kilimanjaro? (laughs) To raise money for water projects in, um, remote parts of East Africa. So it was for a great cause. So I did it for that reason. Mm -hmm. Let me tell Mm -hmm. you, 19,341 feet, (laughs) um, the top of Africa, that's what they call it. Like it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And what I learned as I went up that mountain was that being a Christian, living, walking the earth 
is going to require a constant state of recovery. Yeah. So it's like my whole idea about of recovery shifted. Mm-hmm. I, at, the, at that time when I was climbing, I didn't even know that I was dependent on alcohol. I didn't realize it was a problem mm. at the time. I was still in denial. Um, but when I got home, I realized that the mountain experience was very much like recovery. If the definition of recovery is to return to one's natural state mm. of mind, uh, body, health, soul, strength. To um, and then the part two of that is to take back something that has been lost or stolen, Ooh. right? Mm-hmm. So then recovery applies to all of us. Yeah. So that's something we shouldn't be shameful of. Right. Right. Because all of us have had something lost, stolen, our innocence, um, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Right? We all are in a constant state of recovery. And that's kind of the way I saw this um, yeah. mountain experience. It's like to become the best version of myself was accepting my humanity and Absolutely. my brokenness. Absolutely. To become, and that's what the Lord spoke to me on mm-hmm. this mountain. And it, it was like the guides we had to go summit with, they would um, say in Swahili, pole, pole, slowly, slowly, Mm. respect the mountain. So it's like pole, pole, slowly, slowly. I believe that one day at a time, one step at a time, you can't go too fast up the mountain. You'll get sick from altitude sickness. But let's look at our journey through life that way. It's imperfect. It's dirty and messy. People were vomiting, having bubble guts, like gross little episodes on the side of the mountain as we were climbing from the altitude. Yeah. Or if they went too fast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, I feel like the Lord is saying, we are on this climb through life till we meet him again, striving for holiness. It's incredible. It's still going to be messy. Accept your humanity one day at a time, pole, pole. And even the guide, he just wrote the fact that we couldn't do summit without having a guide one on one to encourage us and tell us pole, pole, that he was reminding me that I'm not going to die in this. I'm going to reach the top. Think about that's the Holy Spirit in our lives. Anyway, that (laughs) image, the image of Moses climbing the mountain to Mm -hmm. meet with God and us striving for his holiness Mm -hmm. and the journey that involves that slowly reaching the goal, which would be to be with him on that mountaintop Mm -hmm. in the presence of his holiness. But think about all the ugly things, like you said, like the bubble gut and the ugly things that are happening along the way. Like that's in so many ways to be expected. Absolutely. Because you you have to go through that to get to Mm -hmm. him. And I believe that that's what he, Hebrews 12 is talking about. Yes. Like looking unto Jesus. If we just can looking unto Jesus. So that's an active word, right? Yes. So that means we're going to get distracted by the messiness all around us. Absolutely. We're going to get dis- uh, I relapsed. Oh my gosh, not me personally, but I know a lot of people who have relapsed yeah. and it's yeah. like no, let's fix our eyes on Jesus and keep going and keep slowly, going. slowly. Yeah. Right? And you know, I think that um even the experience of Jesus on the cross, it's like he despised shame and everything he went through. He wanted to show us yeah. that you can experience shame yeah. and still win. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, trauma is real. Shame yeah. is real. Yeah. But so is resilience. Yep. Absolutely. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's, like, it's the truth Absolutely. of two realities in a sense. Um, we are broken. 
yeah. we are, we're raggedy rag dolls without Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Our, you know, we're accepting my humanity was one of the hardest parts of my journey of recovery. Yeah, because to admit that I was broken, that I was an alcoholic, it took me till day thirty-eight to um, admit it because I felt like it was saying the ultimate: I am bad and unfixable. Oof. That's what shame was telling me. That's what shame was telling mm-hmm. you. But then when I applied, when suddenly this like I had this light bulb moment where, wow. um, uh, you know, second um, Corinthians 12, nine, my grace is all you need. Your, my power is perfected in your weakness. Yes. When I admitted I was an alcoholic, it's like the chains broke off of me. Absolutely. I was able to see that, um, I don't have to be perfect, especially yep. if I have Jesus. Yep. I can walk yep. out this program of he recovery. Is the perfection? Yes. He that oh that is holy polo. I can work towards you know, him. And, and I think about um, there's a quote and 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 forgive me if I if I misquote this, but um, but Primo Levi he survived the Holocaust and mm-hmm. he talks about how um, it was he says it was the worst of us who survived mm. and how he struggled to move on because he felt like he didn't deserve to move on that there were so many that he had watched die in those camps that were more deserving of life than he was. Mm. And, um, and, and what he said was so incredible, but at the same time, without him moving forward, we wouldn't have the testimony that he had Mm -hmm. of what had happened and the significance of that. And then I think about the significance of our testimony Mm -hmm. and, and that, you know, the, the things that we go through, whether it's our mistake or something that happened to us, the shame wants to keep you silent. Mm -hmm. But that testimony, Mm -hmm. like that is everything moving forward. That is, that is, that is the, the work of God in you that you have the ability to testify to. And so even if, even if shame wants to make you think that you are the worst of these, God is saying, no, I'm going to shine all the brighter Mm -hmm. through your story. That's right. And so that, that, you know, you, you talked about in your book, I I did something bad versus I am something bad. And I think that that point is so profound as Christians that we, we carry forward, not because we are worthy because he is worthy. He is worthy. And that, so, so, Mm -hmm. so just for, for our listeners who might've missed last uh, episode, what, what is the difference? What is the distinction that you made between I, I did something bad and, and feeling, um, guilt or conviction versus I am something bad feeling shame. I believe that God created emotions for a reason for them to be signals for Mm -hmm. us to deal with something, handle something, Mm -hmm. look at something. Um, I even look at being triggered differently yeah. now. Yeah. Because when I'm triggered yeah. by something or someone or smell or because I'm mm-hmm. recovering also from um, just PTSD yeah. um, and things of that, all of us have dealt with trauma. But um, specifically, like when a trigger happens, I don't look at it anymore as something bad because it's yeah. a signal. Yeah. So back when uh, I didn't know about these, the, I didn't have any emotional literacy. Yeah. I didn't understand em- the, my emotional world internally. Yeah. So when I felt the emotion of shame, I felt like I was bad. God had made a mistake with me. I was mm-hmm. unforgivable. Mm-hmm. So I took everything the Bible said that as a pastor and a leader, I was teaching everybody yeah. that his grace is sufficient, that we're forgiven. Yet for me, I took it on myself as and believe the script that I am broken, I'm bad. It was past, I did something yeah. wrong. 
Yeah. I did something yeah. wrong is guilt. Yeah. I say I'm sorry, I move on. And you, yeah. But shame can actually get toxic because once we get mm-hmm. quiet, we mm-hmm. isolate, it causes us to hide. We pretend. Yeah. We perform. Yeah. I was a workaholic. I was pretending everything was okay on the outside and it wasn't. Yeah. I was falling apart on the inside because I had all this undealt with trauma yeah. that I didn't know I could talk about out loud yep. because of shame. Because <laughs> of shame. Yeah. But the work side, that what you were just saying about yeah. about hiding behind your, your works, mm-hmm. because I think that so often what gets stressed is the ethical side of holiness. It's the gotcha. the, yeah. the work side of holiness. Yeah, and doing, doing, doing. Exactly. I thought that's then it, I'm a good Christian. Then I'm a good Christian. Yep. Exactly. And everybody can see mm-hmm. that I'm a good Christian. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't strive for moral perfection mm-hmm. in our lives. I'm not saying that's a whole episode on sanctification. Yeah. And and we <laughs> don't have time for that today. But but the the heart is what what God is mm-hmm. looking at. And I wanted to I wanted to read um in Psalm 24 um, verses three through four, mm-hmm. David says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Now, obviously David was no saint, right? <laughs> the man is a rap sheet. Mm-hmm. For crying out loud. So, <laughs> exactly. so we know that, that David is, is fully acquainted mm-hmm. with guilt and I'm sure fully acquainted with shame. 100%. But the man continually prays for a clean heart and he continually recognizes his own failures and his own weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and we could go into his accountability and the people who were in his life on purpose to hold him accountable because he mm-hmm. had prophets who would literally confront him with his mistakes. And David's example is one of repentance and one of turning back um, to God. And um, so we talked a little bit about conscience last episode, and um, you talked in your book about our responsibility to others mm-hmm. in in terms of confession and in terms of holding one another accountable. Can you elaborate a little more on that? So when you were talking about David, just to yeah, kind of yeah. piggyback off of that, I was thinking about like not only did he. Um, confess out loud to God, God, I've sinned, I've fallen short of your glory. But he also said, did something very specific. He said, examine my heart, Mm. anything in me that I might not even be conscious or aware of. Yes. Examine it. That's a dangerous question. Come on. (laughs) But it's important that we we remember that David did that because that is, I believe, one of the keys, the secret sauce to yes. this life of freedom, this abundant life where we don't have to yes. hide anything. Because yes. I believe true freedom is having nothing to hide. Absolutely. Where we can be yes. naked before God and be like, you know what? I have this zit, this muffin yeah. top, this, <laughs> um, you know, God, like this Absolutely. is all of me. And I admit it to you. Examine my heart. But then is there something that you need to bring my attention that I'm not even aware of? Yeah. Do I have a blind spot? Yeah. Get honest. It's yeah. like... And that's what I believe in addiction. Like people don't, addicts and, you know, I've grouped myself in that Mm -hmm. category for lack of a better word as Mm -hmm. well. Don't, why we got addicted to some things was our lack of honesty. So the journey of becoming honest and admitting our weaknesses is so critical in recovery to our relationship with God and our relationship with others. How did my family heal? Because I confessed to them and said, 
can you forgive me? And I, through my, our family healing, we healed because I listened to them say, mom, it hurt me when this happened, happened. when I saw you do this. Um, what same with my husband. And it's like that confession healing happened in the confession. Absolutely. Forgiveness happened with the Lord. Yeah. But, and you know, it's just like, but examine my heart, Lord, what is it in me? Like we never arrive. Oh, absolutely. It's this constant work of, okay, today I woke up and is there anything in me that's not pleasing you because I want to deal with it because... Yeah. And asking that question with the expectation of an answer, I think is so important Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of times it can be easy to be like, oh, you know, like, let me know if Mm -hmm. I did anything that upsets you or, you know, that kind of thing. But it's like a passing Mm-hmm. question. It's not an intentional. And, and even in our prayer life, I think we can, mm-hmm. we can often have our list of things that we're asking God about, mm-hmm. but not necessarily expecting the answer. Yeah. But don't you think it creates emotional maturity when we can hear from someone else yes. or hear from God yes. that we have perhaps hurt them absolutely, or did something, whether it was our intent or not, yeah. the impact on the other yeah. person is what it is. Absolutely. And for us to go into their world, experience it from their point of view, absolutely. whether we agree or not, yeah. whether <laughs> yeah. it was a shared experience yeah. or not. Oh, it's true. We can still empathize with someone and um, like I always thank people, yeah. thank you for giving me the opportunity to apologize for something Absolutely. that offended you. Absolutely. Because if you didn't Matthew 18 me, then yeah. I wouldn't exactly. have an opportunity to say, I'm sorry. And the devil would have had a foothold in our relationship. Exactly. And, and we're also different and yeah. we're also different. We come from different backgrounds. We're all right. going to have different triggers. Yeah. So I think a lot of times the, the, um, when we open up the door for conversation. And I'll tell, I'll tell my friends, like, I want you to let me know mm-hmm. if I, if I have said anything or done anything that upsets yeah. you or offended you in any way, like, like, let me know. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, it, 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 it can create division in a relationship when, when you're holding your breath on something, yeah. when you're, when you're, even if you're just, you're just feeling it yourself. Mm-hmm. It creates distance. It allows distance in. 100%. I, I, I know growing up, there there was kind of this um, mentality of um, making things sound better than they than they actually were, mm-hmm. and and this lack of of just just honesty in the sense that you didn't want to say exactly how you felt. Mm-hmm. And I I'll never forget. I did not plan on sharing this anecdote, but um, but I'll. I'll never forget. I was standing in the kitchen one day with my younger sister and it was just her and I home. I, I could tell she was suffocating and I was suffocating because neither one of us were were happy with the way things were going in life in general. There were a lot of really, really hard things happening. And where we were living at the time um, was just uh, not a good experience. I looked at her and it was like you could see the struggle. And I said to her, I said, I'm really tired mm-hmm. of sugarcoating it. And I told her, I said, and this makes us sound like insane people. I said, on the count of three, I'm going to say all of the things I hate about where we are right now and what's going on in life. And I want you to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so we did, we counted to three. And before I knew it, we were literally shouting 
all of the things that we were just had just bottled up inside, wow. just like shouting them and crying mm-hmm. and just, I mean, we were a mess, mm. but it was like seeing each other in that moment mm. and not averting my gaze, not, oh, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. Not placating the situation, not diminishing the way she felt in that moment. Absolutely. And we, we made a pact after that, mm-hmm. that we would never be less than 100 with each other. I love it. And, and our relationship since then, I mean, it was just, it, it was another level. Another level of breakthrough yeah, and you, closeness you, and yeah. 100%. And it's, it's like people crave that belonging. They do. They crave that they do. being seen. Yes. And that's what the Lord wants us to know Absolutely. is that we are seen. We are loved. He loves us unconditionally, no matter what blemishes and yep. imperfections we have. And when you and your sister did that, I'm seeing like, you know, you gave each other an opportunity to yeah. express and sh- share the yeah. love of Jesus, which is non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. let's be vulnerable. This yes. is a safe place. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. No shaming allowed. Exactly. Like non-judgmental. <laughs> exactly. Let's just, you know, but we don't stay there. No. We grow together, but and we're accountable, bringing mm-hmm. it back to your accountability thing. Yeah. Um, I just think that like, if we feel it's safe yeah. in the church, yeah, where all, no perfect people are allowed, <laughs> broken people come here, exactly. this is where we meet Jesus to help with all the psychologists exactly. that you're working with, counselors, the 12 step programs, because the pews are full of yes. broken and perfect people. Over people. 50% statistics say, of the people in the congregation are either in an active addiction or have a family member dealing with one. Yeah. Um, mental health, yep. almost everybody yep. after COVID, right? <laughs> Especially, <laughs> Come on. Yes. So like, this is the reality of what we're dealing with. So yeah. I think that, um, you know, it's one thing to say we are broken, we need Jesus, but then create these safe places where confession and healing can happen. Absolutely. Create environments where we can hear the word of God, receive his grace, worship yes. together, get yes. strong to go out and yes. walk out pole pole this program, yes. this recovery that applies yes. to us all. Yes. This life journey. And I know I'm preaching right now, but like, girl, I just really preach. feel like, um, <laughs> I just feel like this whole idea, the church can be the safe place. Place where people can come and admit they have an issue and find community to get stronger. And for the person out there, the listener who might be looking at um, their experience in church has been um, perhaps painful or they were hurt by someone. Well, if you went to a church to experience perfect people (laughs) who don't hurt other people, then it was false advertising that drew you in. Because the church is full of broken people Absolutely. and it doesn't make it right. No, but no. But once again, so I want to validate your pain. Right. However, what if we reframed, what if we yeah. looked at it from a different perspective and said, you know what? We are all broken. We're all, we're all we're on this, in this journey. Together. We're all on this journey. In Philippians, in chapter three, Paul is, it's, it's essentially his resume. And, and, mm-hmm. and the man has an extensive one. And he he goes so far as to even say in the eyes of the law that he was blameless. I mean, mm-hmm. he trained under the, the Harvard of rabbis. He was in- incredibly zealous in his pursuit of the law and persecuted Christians, which, you know, 
mm-hmm. for for that for for a Pharisee was a good thing, and and you know he's from the tribe of Benjamin. And he just has all the credentials. He mm-hmm. he checks all the boxes, and he says that literally it was it was trash compared to the inward work in him through Christ. Mm-hmm. That none of it meant anything. Yeah. Um, but he's 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 talking about being justified through faith and he's talking about God's grace and having gained access to that grace. Everybody knows Paul was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He yeah. he was the man. But he's talking about the access we have to to grace. This is in mm-hmm. Romans chapter 5. Then he says and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And if you think about what the Holy Spirit is, mm-hmm. that's a very presence of God mm-hmm. put in us, in the deposit in us. He's put his holiness in us. Mm-hmm. And that grace that Paul is talking about is receiving that forgiveness. So like, yes, there was guilt. You don't receive forgiveness unless you were guilty. Yeah, But... But it, it eradicates the guilt. The forgiveness mm-hmm. wipes all of that away. And the holiness, that deposit in us, marks us as is his chosen. As his chosen, as his children. Yeah. 100%. And so, you know, so when Paul gives this whole, like, credential list of achievements and then says, forget all of that. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. That's not what we're after. And I think that it can be so easy to to look at our lives as like we we need to measure them you know according to this standard or that mm-hmm. standard what are we successful are we you know are we this are we that yeah. do we do we measure up and and Paul is saying that's the outward standard means nothing mm-hmm. it's all about the inward standard 100%. it's all about the inward work of Christ mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. us so. There was a section of your book that I had gone back to reread because I was really hit by the section you wrote on safe versus unsafe people. Obviously, you know, we've talked about the importance of community and accountability. I found that piece so profound and I was wondering if you could kind of expand on that. So safe people are people who love like Jesus, yeah. non-judgmental. They've, um, I say safe people look like uh, people who have done the work. So yeah. they're not, they're people who are humble enough to say, Hey, I'm imperfect. This is where I messed up along the way in my journey of life. Yeah. I remember meeting, um, various women who got vulnerable and honest about things that they had been there through and shared their stories of breakthrough. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that people were saying out loud <laughs> these things that had happened, but then they gave me a roadmap yeah. of how I could get well too. Yeah. So it's like, I think that, um, um, you know, I just had another squirrel moment. What was the last thing you said? Safe versus unsafe. Safe versus unsafe. Okay. So safe people have done the work. They can admit. So like I can admit I have ADD. Mm-hmm. I'm on mm-hmm. medication for it to help me stay focused, but, um, it's not working for some reason right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I get and, you. Uh, but safe people are, um, people who've been there, done that. Hum, humble can admit their wrongs, yeah. can say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And so my challenge to people is when you're looking for that person that you can confess to yeah. so that you can get healed, yeah. confess your sins to one another that you might be healed and pray mm-hmm. for one another, that person should have um, credibility yeah. in whatever it is they've overcome. Yeah. So I found pastor's wives. I found other people who are bold enough to say, Hey, I've overcome something. Yeah. And I connected myself with them so that I could say, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. You've been there, done yeah. that. 
help me. Yeah. And um, I, and then I what I do is I'm also I believe we should be the person. Yeah. We need. Yes. So I Ooh, need a good. safe person. So what does that look like? Okay, I'm gonna hold what you share with me in confidence. I'm not gonna tell it to the whole world. Absolutely. But I'm going to hold you accountable. Yes. And tell you yes. about yourself if you've asked me and you've let me in yes. to that part of you. Yes. So, um, and if you don't want that accountability, you've picked the wrong one. Right. <laughs> yes. No, that's so good because I was, I, w- I was going to go into, I wanted to, I wanted to ask you how, how to manage conviction as a church family, how we hold each other accountable without projecting shame. shame. Well, first of all, you have to be, this is emotional intelligence stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to help somebody out there. You have to ask permission <laughs> yes. into that yes. space. So you don't just, unsolicited advice is so annoying. I don't oh. know why in the church we feel like we can give unsolicited advice. Life constantly. advice on anything. Like I do need older women that, you know, the right. book of Titus tells us what yes. we should be mentoring somebody, getting mentoring or 100%. from someone older who's been there, done that and giving it to someone who's yes. younger than us and all that good stuff. Right. Right. I believe we should have a peer relationship, someone we're pouring into that's, you know, mm-hmm. younger or someone mm-hmm. older that can pull us up. But at the same time, we have to give others, this is boundary work, uh, permission in. If I say, Heather, I want you to hold me accountable to my drinking, then what does that look like? You ask me, so you're okay with me yeah. Coming and saying, Irene, how are you feeling today? Yeah. Are you where your where your are your emotions at? Have yeah. you do you feel a compulsion to drink? Yeah. Like that's me inviting you in and yeah. you being the safe person. Now I'm I'm telling you this is what support looks like. So I'm not gonna get mad when you yes. check me. Yes. Or when you ask a question. Yes. If I get angry or upset, there's something in me that's trying to deflect. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I can dig deeper yeah. and say, why am I getting upset? It's rubbing me the wrong way because Ooh, there's good. some truth to what she's saying. Ooh, you get what good. I'm saying? Yes. So what are my emotions telling me? And so I think it's it's so much deeper than yes. like accountability is a boundary thing. Safety is boundaries. They yes. protect. Yes. So you have to ask permission I, to my yeah. raising adult children. Yeah. I think it's so important to ask them, Absolutely. hey, do you want feedback about how to prepare for that yes. interview? Yes. Do you want, yes. I ask permission now versus when I would just, I was a permanent <laughs> boundary violator, constantly <laughs> offering advice to the kids. Doesn't give them a chance to grow into adulthood so because I'm so always true. filling in the blank. And then they're irritated with me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have like a good relationship with them. Exactly. So exactly. I'm, I wait to be invited in. So that's kind of how I feel about vulnerability, um, accountability. And I think that's so wise mm-hmm. because when, when you ex- ha- have extended that invitation, which is maturity, by the yes. way, it is maturity to invite someone to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then what it gives you a kind of a gauge, like you said, that, that emotional response tells you something mm-hmm. about where you're at. Yeah. And that, uh, that's powerful. That's mm-hmm. powerful. But that's, that's the role 
of brothers and sisters in Christ. Because who else can you be that transparent with? Right. I think sometimes we get the feeling it's the opposite, that Mm -hmm. the people that we go to church with and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, our fellow believers, we have to be all the more perfect around. And it's like, no, if there's anybody that you should be able to be vulnerable around, it's your brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, you know, when you walk into church and people ask you, um, oh, how are you doing? And it's like, I'll never forget this one lady (laughs) that used to always say, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Yes, I'm yes. blessed and highly favored of the Lord, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm having a bad day. I, mean, the, I was shaking while my kids were screaming, and yep. I was trying to put mascara yep. on, and it was all over my face. Like I'm having a rough morning. It's been a bad it's week, like, you know. It is what it is. My yeah. my kid has had you know multiple meltdowns this morning, right? you know. <laughs> and it's like I think that authenticity is what people are really searching absolutely. for. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, God wants us to be the, ourselves. He made us. Absolutely. And he accepts us scars and all. Absolutely. So it's like, why can't we view one another that same way? Well, and I think a lot of times that goes back to to um, what we perceive in society. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about the people that we revere, you know, that actresses or singers or athletes or you know, they have managers whose entire right. job is to project a specific image of this person. It's true. You know that's not every day, right. 24-7. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's an impossible standard. That's mm-hmm. the idea. That's what's sellable right. is the impossible standard. Mm-hmm. But it's why you, you see so many tragedies happen in that sphere. The people yeah. come unglued and unraveled because that's not real. Mm-hmm. And so I th- what's real is holiness and humanity. Yes. Both. Yes. Not one absent of the other. Yeah. The truth of two realities. Of two realities. Is holiness and our humanity. Absolutely. And it's like that's a tension we're not going to resolve. Nope. We're going to manage it. Absolutely. For the Ooh, rest good. of our lives. Oh, that's good. Pole, pole. Pole, pole. Slowly, slowly. Oh, that is good. Oh, that is good. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm just going to s- sit on that one for a second. I think that I think that so often it, it comes down to who we're chasing after, because pole pole is us in pursuit of God, in pursuit mm-hmm. of His holiness. That's right. And we're not worried about the person who's faster than us. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're we're not comparing ourselves to the person who's who's having bubble gut. Right. You you know we're we're in pursuit of the same goal. Mm-hmm. And the idea is is that you know, in in real life, we're all gonna hit that struggle at some point. We're all gonna be managing the altitude in different ways, and and mm-hmm. but that pursuit is what brings us together. At the that's end of right. the day, at the end of the day, that's that's it right there. Um, but yeah, I um, I am so thankful. <laughs> That God doesn't use shame yeah. to motivate us in the, in in the direction of Him. One hundred percent. That that is beautiful. Yeah, He's calling us in our brokenness, in our um, imperfections. He's like, you know yeah. what? Yeah. You, I like the word flossom. We're flossing yeah. to God, flawed <laughs> but awesome anyway. Yeah. Like you quoted this in 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 the the first episode, but in Hebrews twelve, mm-hmm. when when Paul says that Christ. Loved us so much that he went to the cross despising mm-hmm. shame. That's right. He despised it. Like, that's a really strong mm-hmm. word. <laughs> I bet you're going to look it up in your dictionary. You know I'm dictionary. going to. <laughs> <laughs> you 
know I'm going to. Well, I am again so thankful. <laughs> for you this being on fun. this and I'm going to say it again. I've said it before, but seriously read, reframe your shame. Um, it, it's, it's absolutely worth your time. It will change your life. And if you're like me, it's full of highlights at this point and, um, and you've reread portions, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but thank you so much, Irene. You're on Instagram. You're on yes. all those social media, all Irene the social Rollins. medias as Irene Rollins, Irene Rollins. super Rollins. easy to yep. find. <laughs> But thank you for having me. You're oh brilliant. Gosh. Your podcast is amazing. I love how we can dive deep and you uh, take theology. I love how you um, can make it applicable to my everyday life and just make the Bible come alive it's... through the way you talk about his word. So thank you. Oh, gosh. I The Bible is my favorite book. I've said it before. Yeah. But uh, thanks for joining us. And, um, and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.